We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Find a bank that delivers real solutions to help you reach your goals. Just like two three-jet chip wasp. That's championship type thinking. Emprise Bank is your partner in Possible. Emprise Bank member FDIC, a big supporter here at KC Sports Network. We're so appreciative of them and what they've done uh, to get this thing off the ground here at KC Sports Network. And it's been a lot of fun partnering with them. And I'm fun. I'm having a lot of fun partnering with these two. My dear pals, first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, I got to see you this weekend, and it was the biggest joy of the month of July. Buddy, I was going to say, I had a lot of fun partnering with you on a ride to training camp, <laughs> enjoying the rain out in St. Joe, sweating because it was very hot. I enjoyed our time at training camp together, but I must say, I am happy. It's been a full week since I have gotten to see or speak to the big institution himself, Craig Stout, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend that has kept KCSN going while everybody else was off going to camp. So, Craig, I'm very happy I get to see you today, buddy. I missed you. I am sorry you were not able to join us, but I am happy for why. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I'm sorry I missed you guys, too. It looked like a hell of a lot of fun. I am very jealous that you all got to get together, but we'll we'll get together another time. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I take offense to you saying that I've done the things that I've done over the past week because <laughs> we have all contributed. And just for that, Maddie, you know what? I'm not going to do anything for the next week. You guys, oh. you guys are just going to do whatever it is that you're going to do. I'm just not going to show up, not going to write any articles. Just it's, it's not happening. You got you guys can just do that now because of you, Maddie. Well, that I, mean, I think that's only fair for all the weight you just carried over the past week. I think you deserve to have a week off. So, you know, kick your feet up, relax, do absolutely nothing besides relax over the next week, bud. And we will see you a week from now. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Let's talk some Chiefs football. You guys went to camp. That was, I mean, we, we, we got takeaways. I'm just terrified that. KCSN just falls apart in the, no, in the week that Craig's yet. gone. You know, just please, just hold on. He's coming back. I promise. We're going to start every show like that. Uh, we have, the, I think the biggest thing we got to talk about just off the top of the top of the bat here. Uh, I don't, that's not a phrase, but 
Tyree Kill uh, Baseball did, not, did not practice today due to knee tendonitis. And there's obviously, you know, there's it's early. It sounds like it's a little bit precautionary, but I think that's at least notable. That's a very important detail here, especially considering there's been a lot of the, you know, the top end players that the Chiefs have paid, you know, the last couple years, Anthony Hitchens, Ty- Travis Kelsey, now Tyree Kill. They've all missed time. Uh, these are all, you know, the Chiefs have a very top heavy roster and some of the top has had some injuries. And now we're looking at a little bit of knee tendonitis, it sounds like, for Tyree Kilmaddy. Where's your level of concern moving forward here? I'm not concerned right now. I think knee tendonitis is a lot of times it can just be associated with not even necessarily overuse, but just a ramp up and things that are happening. So Tyree Kill, a guy that is very active at all times. I mean, you jump on this dude's YouTube page in the offseason, he never stops. He's like the Energizer mm-hmm. Bunny. He even talked about this year, how he felt like he did need to dial it back in the offseason a little bit so that he could be feeling like he was at 110% for the entire season. It's like, I'm not surprised at some point in time, you know, especially this early on when camp's getting going, that there might be some overuse type injuries like tendonitis and the knee popping up. As long as it's treated, as long as he's doing a good job rehabbing his way through it, it should present no issue. I think he would should be very clearly on track to be ready well before the regular season starts and able to play. There are some incidents, though, looking at D Ford specifically. He's a guy who's a different animal altogether in terms of his health, but he's a guy who had tendonitis in his knee bother him an entire season that he was with the San Francisco 49ers. It caused him to miss games, miss time during games. So it is something that if it goes unchecked, if you do not get the proper rehab for it, it can really change how you're able to play, how well you can perform. I don't think Tyreek Hill, I don't foresee Tyreek Hill going down that route, but it is something that is a possibility if they don't do a good job staying on top of it. I like that they just immediately held him out. He took himself out. They held him out today. Get that process rolling as early as possible. Yeah, he was wearing a band around his knee when he came out, so it is obviously something that had cropped up prior to this practice. It wasn't an immediate thing where it's like, oh, no. You know, they, they knew it was coming. They sensed it was coming. He went out there, I think... There's some videos out there, him running some of the individual drills, and he just doesn't look like the same guy. Obviously taking it a little bit easy, not trying to stress it or anything like that. Eventually decided that it's time to just walk up the hill, take it easy, and chill. Perfectly fine with that. guy like Tyree Kill doesn't need a single preseason rep as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, the dynamic between him and Patrick Mahomes is very well developed. It's very good. We know what Tyreek Hill brings to this squad. He knows what it takes to show up and prepare for a game day. So I'm not worried at all. I'm fine with putting him on ice for the rest of the preseason for all I'm concerned. I I just, because he's too important to this offense to waste, you know, any sort of games just based on practice. I'm curious about preseason management for him and Travis Kelsey at this Mm -hmm. point. You know, we've seen Travis Kelsey have a little issues, you know, even Ben, you know, Anthony Hitchens having some issues early too. Fascinating to see, you know, what both of these guys uh, on offense and, and Anthony Hitchens, what their role looks like, you know, for the entirety of the preseason, how they, you know, manage these guys. Um, one thing I will say though is, and we're, you know, we're we're not, I'm not, I'm not raising the panic. I'm not pressing the panic button quite yet here at all with Tyree Kill, but I did want to bring this up because I did a little research. Well, Cole Hardman's been the beneficiary of Tyreek Hill's absence. Uh, if you think about his rookie year, 2019, there's a four-game stretch where Tyreek Hill missed the game, you know, missed, missed four games. McCole Hardman, 22.4% of McCole Hardman's receiving yards in his career came in those four games. A, you know, he had a big stretch there. 
Tyreek Hill, I think at times, uh, maybe limits the opportunity exposure for, um, you know, for McCall Hardman at times with some of the routes in, in their entirety, mm-hmm. not, you know, that, that's not an excuse for some of the other things that have maybe hamstring his ability to kind of make progression. But, um, when Tyree kills out, McCall Hardman gets opportunities. Uh, and I think that's something you got to kind of keep an eye on too moving forward. All right, let's just talk a little bit about some of the stuff going on here at training camp. Um, you know, how, how we, you know, I guess the, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot going on at training camp and there's a lot of things to be excited about or not excited about. Um, so we're kind of just playing a game here. We're having, you having a conversation. We all have ideas about things. A game. Like, this is well, serious. Maybe we should just let Maddie present it actually. And maybe he'll turn it into a game. We'll see. We'll let youthful Regis come on and just, if he wants to make it a game, fine. If not, we'll just let him introduce it. Yeah. Youthful Regis. Are you free? No. Okay. Sorry. I, I'll, I won't call again. Guys, youthful Regis <laughs> not coming on, but what the guy, the concept here is just simply like Ken said, there's a lot of stuff that happens at training camp. You go there as a fan or you're following through on social media. There's a lot of information coming at you. You can see the same play from two different sources and it's great. It's either praising one player dunking on another we just want to have a quick little conversation about you know when you look at training camp what matters what information should you be you know processing and then thinking putting that in a box of hey this is something important this is worth monitoring and what can be just yeah i'm excited for that but i also know it's training camp in like the first week of practices let's see where this goes later on so like one of the first things to me when i go to camp what i'm most excited to see what are the rotations looking like I know in early in camp, people will tell you to be, you know, conservative when you see a guy out there with the first team or so on at the beginning of camp. But I'm going to say it, Andy Reid, he, he does a pretty good job of getting his guys the right reps that they need. I'm not saying position, guys playing in the first or second team won't change as camp goes on. But when you see someone start the very first day at training camp and then play relatively well as a starter, and they continue to do that up until pads come on, that's something worth noting. So seeing Trey Smith go in there at the right guard, starting right guard, and look better than LDT does on the second string, but the fact that he's gotten all the first string reps, Every stuff, rep. like that, yeah, stuff like that matters. The rotation Every of players rep. matters when it's consistent like this. Mike Rimmer's getting every single rep at right tackle until he got hurt matters. And actually, that's not true. He didn't get every single rep. He got like yeah. 90% of them. A vast yeah, majority. I was good. Yeah. There was, Lucas there was just a little bit of rotation. Lucas yeah. Niang would come in and play right tackle with the first team for a play or two, then switch to left tackle mm-hmm. and play that with the second team. But that's worth noting. It's worth noting that Lucas Niang is playing both right and left tackle. Nobody else was. So you put that in the box. Hey, that's a pretty clear indicator of a swing tackle. I've now been rambling for three minutes telling you guys what matters to me. Craig, why don't you tell me something from training camp that matters to you or tell me how I'm wrong? No, you're not wrong. I, I do think that it, I think it's about consistency. And I think, you know, we, we've said that kind of for several years now. When you see guys do things week after week, you know, consistently, whether that be in the rotation, whether that be a, a style of play that's happening consistently, whether that be something, you know, an impact that you're making, Nick Bolton making interceptions in back-to-back days, that's noteworthy. That is noteworthy. I mean, I don't, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden Nick Bolton is an all pro coverage linebacker, but it does mean that some of the things that you, you were hoping that he's able to come in and take those steps, those are happening. When you see Ball things skills. like that happen consistently, that's when it matters. And so I think that we get all very, very hung up in these singular plays on Twitter. You know, you see one guy, you know, 
beating an offensive lineman and you're like, okay, so that offensive lineman is trash and that defensive lineman is the best player that the Chiefs have along the you know the line, that's not always the case. You want to see those things consistently week after week, get practice after practice. We see that in like senior bowl and things like that as well. When you see guys grow, you see guys develop, you see guys improve and take notes and basically learn. That's what you really want to take away from all of this. Well, and we, you know, we're talking about snap counts and we're talking about guys that are maybe getting opportunities consistently with the first and second team. And there's one guy that snuck in there with the first team today in the absence of Juan Thornhill. I think it's somebody worth talking about. What do you think, Craig? I think it is somebody worth talking about. A guy that we have become familiar with this offseason, just like some of you have become familiar with McAdoodles, one of our very good sponsors. Devin Key has come to Kansas City. Devin Key has made an impact immediately. He was running with the ones in OTAs. Right now, he's been rotating in with the ones, you know, obviously due to some injury concerns, but over some established veterans that have been in the rotation for a long time. But what we're seeing is an improvement on the position by this guy coming to Kansas City, just like there would be an improvement on your liquor buying if Macadoodles came to Kansas City because of customer service, the good prices, and the selection. We need to get Macadoodles to Kansas City. Info at Macadoodles.com. Get a hold of Roger there if you're a franchisee. Get one up here because I want to go to one every time I'm in Kansas City or wherever you are. Put a Macadoodles there. I'll come there. I, I'm not. I'm not selective. Just like you know, we would expect Devin Key to line up anywhere all over the secondary, just like he has for the Chiefs so far. And that's been one of the really big surprising things because I think we saw kind of feedback coming out of the rookie camp that Devin Key was a guy that the team liked. He was getting you know some positive reviews. But then if you fast forward to camp, from the get-go, he's working as a starting safety kind of with the, with the second team. When they did kick down somebody else into the nickel, into the slot, a lot of times it was Devin Key. They were moving him all over the place, which is kind of surprising for a guy, you know, that's as big as he is. He's a guy that is bigger than Dan Sorensen. He's bigger than Zane Anderson. These guys that Chiefs fans are often referring to as safeties that can play linebacker. You have Devin Key playing deep in the slot and in that, you know, kind of extra linebacker role at his size. So he's been a fun guy to watch at camp. I'm not sitting here saying that he's been, you know, amazing during his plays. He clearly looks like a rookie, but he's flashed some. He's flashed good movement ability, some good hips to turn and run and things like that. But it's the consistency. He is out there over and over again in this role, getting reps with the other players that are going to play in most of the football games. That's worth paying attention to going forward. I think about DiCaprio Boodle too. Like he's a guy that, you know, he's got some consistent second team reps, but but also like even in stuff like team takeoff, maybe lining up behind a guy like Tyron Matthew or, you know, hanging out with coach Spags, they're not just doing that for some third guy, third string guy. That's going to be, you know, cut, no. you know, like you've got like any special attention a young player is getting. I think you have to pay attention to. It's something you've got to keep an eye on, you know, consistent opportunities with maybe groups of players that you're not anticipating special, you know, time to even taking mental reps back there. Those are all things you really have to pay attention to because that means the coaching staff is making sure they're giving special attention to somebody for a reason. Willie Gay sitting back there in some situations, you know, with C Spagnolo. They're trying to get him caught up to speed. Those are all important little things. 
Um, you know, one other thing I kind of think about too, that I, that I pay attention to, um, special teams, the special team snaps. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, the, the, the special teams reps that they're getting, those guys that are maybe lined up on kickoff return, those guys probably have an inside track. Again, they're not, you know, if Emmanuel Smith isn't getting opportunities there, that's probably a bad sign for Emmanuel Smith. Uh, Omari Cobb. It is, it, are, are those guys getting reps in special no. teams? We're, we're not talking about them enough. So are well, they not getting special teams reps? I We don't need, we're fine talking. We're not talking about them. Uh, we've got, you know, I think you just need to pay attention to who on special teams is out there. I think those are always positive indicators. Um, I, I think that that's something you really got to pay attention to for sure as well. Maddie, do you have anything else that you want to I do. think we should pay attention to, or do you just want to jump to straight to things that we shouldn't pay attention to? I got something else big that I pay attention to. Actually, I am very big on looking at how players move specifically players that move differently than they have in years past, just moving on the field. And I don't mean football specific. I just, when they run plays out, they look faster, they look more explosive. Chris Jones, for example, looks quicker, looks more explosive and looks to understand the space playing defensive end better than he has in the past. So just his ability to move in that way and how he looks when moving right now is something that I have seen multiple times now through clips while I was there live that matters to me. And on the same kind of, in the same path is the player size. Do they look bigger, smaller? Ben Neiman, we used to joke a lot about how he looked like a punter or a special teams kind of player. Ben Neiman's put on size. I'm not saying he's going to be a smash mouth Sam linebacker, but he looks significantly thicker than he has in years past. He clearly has spent a lot of time working on his body and getting in the weight room. On the other side of that coin, Anthony Hitchens looks noticeably slimmer. When you see him in person, he looks like a much thinner player than he has in years past for the Chiefs. He's come out and talked about that he's trying to come out there and look slimmer. So things like that matter to me because that shows dedication throughout the offseason. That shows that guys have been trying to improve throughout the offseason. They're not just showing up at camp hoping to be the same player that they were or only improve during that time. And you hear a lot of platitudes in a lot of these press conferences. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like the the best version of myself or the most athletic version of myself and stuff like that. So when you can actually see it, like when it's visible, you know, you go to a number of camps in a row and all of a sudden you start, you know, you understand how these guys move. You see how they, they look, whether it's in pads or not, you can see that marked improvement. I I agree with all the Chris Jones stuff. He looks like he's moving very, very well without losing power. I think that was one of the things that I I was curious about. We've seen him utilize that power well, especially well. So I am I, I agree with all of that. You can see those guys that just move a little bit different or move a little bit differently than they have in the past. And those tend to be the guys that show up and kind of take those reps and are the impact players for those teams because of the guys that are putting in the work that the guys that are doing a little bit more. Those are the ones that are going to get on the field, grab that opportunity and hang on to it because they're going to put in that kind of work. Something I do slash don't pay attention to, if that makes sense is that I think it's something you kind of need to keep an eye on. Um, you know, there's some things that you can dismiss when there's no pads on and there's some things that you can, um, you know, you can pay attention to. Uh, when there are no pads on, I don't care what happens on a run play when there's no pads on point blank. <laughs> I saw a lot of people getting really excited about some of Clyde Edwards moves, Clyde Edwards layers moves in between the tackles, a lot of oohs and ahs. And I'm just like, look, I like Clyde Edwards layer. I'm just not getting overly excited about what I'm seeing between the tackles in 
you know, helmets because there's really not a ton you're going to be able to tell in this situation. Everything's going to look entirely Can't hate run fit. Just can't hate run fit. See how it is. Here's what a run fit is. You know, you don't really know if that guy's actually making somebody miss in space. You really have no clue because they're not trying to bring him to the ground. So, like, that was Except one thing, for when I, Nick Bolton has multiple of those in a row and then he yells in frustration after one of those jukes. Yeah. Then you have a pretty good idea that he felt like he was missing a potential tackle. Well, yeah, that, that would be an indicator. Um, you know, <laughs> there's one, you know, like I, I look at, you know, and I, I think some of the pass rush reps, you know, I don't know. There's really not a ton to take away from the pass rush reps. Uh, with pads on, but I think there is something you can take away at times. And it's similar to what Maddie's talking about with the movement skills. And like one guy I'm thinking about specifically is I'm going to say this. I like, I like Lucas Niang. I believe in Lucas Niang's long, long-term career here in Kansas city. I believe he is going to, you know, make a lot of strides and become a good football player for this team. Uh, he does his movement skills. He does not look ready. Uh, he has struggled to get off the ball. He, his feet have been heavy and he's been getting beat off the edge with a little bit of consistency, uh, even when in, 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 without, without pads on. And that's something that at least presents some, you know, some concerns for me about the outlook of him starting as the right tackle. I think this is a big year for him and an important year for him. A guy that's really two years removed from playing football from playing, you know, real football, a guy that, you know, had last year as kind of a, you know, his, his, his off year due to COVID having, you know, not real, not around the football team and all that stuff. I think this is a big year for him to develop. I think, you know, getting him on both sides of the offensive line is very important. I am a little bit more concerned about his ability to jump in week one based on what I've seen from some of his movement skills. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to say just, he's just not, he's not getting off the ball well. And he's, he's, he's a little, I, He's a little, he's, he's immediately, he's very threatened quick. He's quickly threatened by defensive ends. Let's just say that. And he's uh, maybe not, isn't the most prepared, but I think, you know, some of those, some of those things with the, you know, the movement skills of the offensive linemen are worth watching, but I don't think there's a ton of takeaway there. Pads versus no pads, Maddie. Yeah. And so going back to just Lucas Nang real quick, I do think that before pads came on, I wasn't there, but when there was no pads, I do think there was a noticeable difference in the level of play from Mike Rimmers to Lucas Nang. You would expect that out of a veteran guy in you Absolutely. Know, his ninth camp or whatever it is for Mike Rimmers versus Lucas Dingane making it to his first training camp. That said, as our fearless leader said, BJ Kissel, if a rookie is kind of looking slow to start camp, you usually don't start looking faster the more into, deeper into camp you get. You usually start to slow down a little bit as you continue to get more physical, get deeper in the playbook. So it is a little concerning to me that there have been so many reps where he has looked slow off the line of scrimmage slow to adjust to, you know, defenders across from him. But I think there's a good time to transition because you were talking about pads, no pads, to stuff that maybe you shouldn't put too much stock into when you are going into these training camp. Like we're starting to see all these videos. What is something that you see coming out of training camp that, you know, you kind of put in a box of let's wait and see, Craig? Uh, contested catches when they're not wearing pads. <laughs> I mean, Let's be real here. Like, if you can't be fully physical at the catch point, if you're not able to hit, and if that if the quarterback knows that and can kind of lay one up, knowing full well that a dude's not going to get lit up, it's it's hard to really take a ton away from that. Now, I'm not saying that all contested catches are bad. You know, when they're not wearing pads, that's that's fine. You know, they there that is a skill. It is a good thing to have, but we tend to hang on some of these 
sideline boundary catches that you know are just barely getting in when the DB's not hitting the dude, not really making a play on the ball. You know, it we we tend to fall in love with some of that stuff. And I'm not even naming names. Like it, it happens with every receiver in every team in the NFL. Like you look, just scroll Twitter right now for any team, and you're going to find some fringe rosterable receiver that everybody's freaking out about because he's making contested catches in training camp. So I always take those with a giant grain of salt. What do you got, Kent? Well, I will just, you know, expand on that. It's like, you know, how often is Patrick Mahomes in a game situation going to trust a guy not getting uncovered? So a guy that's only winning as a contested catch player, those aren't the type of players that typically get opportunities on game day. Patrick Mahomes isn't a guy that's throwing a lot of, you know, back shoulder fades outside the numbers. You know, he's throwing, you know, guys open. He's throwing the space. He's throwing, you know, he's not really throwing these contested catches just to give certain guys an opportunity, especially since the guys that he has, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Killer get open. He's just going to throw mm-hmm. to those guys. So I don't think, you know, some of these guys that are be able to, you know, I'll just, I'll say, like, I, you know, Jody Fortson, like, he's made some really great plays, but I still don't see a guy that's able to get uncovered. Uh, with great consistency so that's something when i look at it i go i don't know if that makes a lot of sense for him moving forward um you know we talk about like you know some things with one-on-ones you know i think can be you know quick pressure i think is important i think that's a very positive you know sign for a positive sign for the defensive lineman and a negative sign for an, an offensive lineman but if it's taking six and a half seconds and the guy makes a sack that doesn't mean anything He's out of his rush lane. It's the same stuff with the senior bowl. I was watching some of the one-on-ones on Twitter today and I'm looking at, you know, it's just, it's like we're at the senior bowl again. And like some of them are wildly impressive. Like some of the plays are wildly impressive. Make no mistake. Some of what Chris Jones did today, poor or poor Orlando Brown, Uh, you know, Turk Wharton has some quick wins, but sometimes it's just, Hey, I'm holding on for dear life. And, you know, or, or it's, uh, you know, I am, you know, some guy's way out of his rush lane. It took him four seconds to get to the quarterback. That doesn't mean anything. Like that does, or, that's just, or Justin Fields throwing a pump fake eight seconds oh, into his drop and I then hitting fight. the guy. Oh, Craig, I'll <laughs> fight you. Maybe his hitch could have been a little bit quicker, but I have zero problems with that play. That was, it was eight I mean, seconds. No, it was eight seconds. It, wasn't, it was not eight seconds. So Go we have a second. So we're going to go ahead and go back to the one-on-ones that we're dealing with, because I think that's a hot topic coming out of Chiefs camp, you know, at the time you guys are listening to this. And specifically something that, you know, Kent said that I got a couple things. One, Orlando Brown sounded like he had a rough day. Some of the clips I've seen haven't looked great. I'm putting that in the wait and see box for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. The first reason is this. He came from the Baltimore Ravens. How often do you think those guys work on pass protection? I'll give you a hint. Absolutely none. Have you seen their running back quarterback? I mean, Okay, so first of all, this is his first passing camp of all time. Like, that's just what it is. Two, and I think Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito talked about this on the one-on-one podcast. Andy Heck crushes these offensive linemen at camp. So we just got pads on. These guys went, you know, a good 30, 45 minutes of practice just today before they even get into these one-on-ones. And if you go to camp, watch the offensive linemen. They're doing team drills. They're pushing the big sled. They are work, work, working. Watch the defensive linemen. They're on their knees. They're hitting one dummy. They're resting. They're going one by one. Maybe they run a couple, you know, loops around the hoop. Maybe they club a couple dummies. Like they don't put in near, and I'm not saying they don't work hard. I'm just saying, if you watch the offensive and defensive line, 
and especially for the Chiefs. And this isn't like, you know, just my opinion. Like you could watch them. Guys that have been in the building said this. The offensive linemen get worked by Andy Heck. So you get tired and then you go into these one-on-ones and you're like, oh, hey, by the way, go block Chris Jones with absolutely no help. Like, what do you think a guy that hasn't taken a lot of true pass sets is going to do trying to block Chris Jones one-on-one when he's might be tired? So like, put that in the wait and see box. Let's see what this looks like two weeks from now when these offensive linemen have kind of caught up to the conditioning level. They're, they're the reactive player as is. So when they start understanding how this, especially in Brown's case, this new defender that he's never faced in a pass protection situation ever is going to rush him. He's no longer just purely reacting. There's a lot of steps that make this a defensive heavy kind of drill. So give these guys a chance. Don't crush offensive linemen based on what you've seen from the first day in pads where defensive linemen always come out with their hair on fire. Especially, especially when you've got defensive linemen that have literally been waiting all camp for this moment. This the first time moment. they can hit. This is, yeah, they, they get to put pads on and now they get to have one-on-ones. Like, this is it. This is what they are there for. If you're at the Senior Bowl, we keep referencing it because that's, you know, we're, we've been there so many years in a row. We've seen so many guys make money on one-on-ones. Defensive linemen just showing up for one-on-ones. It is slanted towards them. It is geared towards them. So, yes, I did see a lot of people that were like, oh, no, the Chiefs made a mistake with Orlando Brown today. Cool it. Like, just just wait. Let him develop. Let Andy Reid be in his ear tonight when they're watching these back and he's showing Orlando Brown, okay, here's what you did. Here's how you fix it. Jeff Allen talked about that. Like, and Mike, it was actually Mike DeVito talked about how the second or third time that they got to get into some of these drills, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that move doesn't work anymore. These guys figured me out already. So wait for that. Again, it goes back to the consistency aspect of that. So just wait for that. We'll see what comes from all of that. So one other thing I was just, this is more of a, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. It's like, you know, we're talking about, you know, things to pay attention to things not to pay attention to. When I look at, you know, I, I tweeted out today, the, the early indications for this rookie class of Brett Veaches here in Kansas city are really positive. And every, I got a lot of mentions. Hey, it's, it's August 3rd and all that stuff. This isn't a slim. I'm not calling Briscoe out. Because <laughs> you are. <laughs> no, he said it too. But I just I just, I just, just saw another one. Um, so, yes, I, it is early in training camp. But I think one thing you got to pay attention to is you look at this entire draft class and the entirety of it has positioned themselves for playing time almost entirely. Like you look at all these guys they all are already carving out a role in one week at training camp. Nick Bolton. He's carved, carved out a role in base. Cree Humphrey's your day one center. Mm-hmm. Noah Gray appears to be a very much in the mix, uh, getting offensive snaps. Josh Kando is very consistently, he's not running with the threes as consistently as he's running with the twos. Like I think this is a guy that's getting opportunities. I actually think I might have even seen him with the ones. Uh, you know, you when we talk about we know Trey Smith, we know all about Trey Smith. And he's a day, you know, he might be a day one starter there as well. Cornell Powell, he's probably the, as of right now, I think he's the guy that maybe has the least amount of buzz or the least amount, you know, of optimism I have right now being the last pick of the team. This draft looks really strong for Brett Veach based on, you know, where these guys' snaps are occurring. It's week one and they've already passed some dudes. 
that have been in the system for you know certain amounts of time. That's really positive for all these guys moving forward, in my opinion. One other just actually thing to me before we'd go live to Camp TikTok, I think this is something that's got to come up. Darius Harris has been mm-hmm. playing a lot of reps yeah. with Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman not playing. And now normally I wouldn't make a big deal about this, but I will say the day that Ben Neiman left practice, they gave Nick Bolton and Willie Gay a chance to call the plays. They had them out there with the green dot. Andy Reid talked about how they kind of shared that duty. The very next practice, that was no longer the case. I'm not <laughs> saying they're not helping call some plays. I'm not saying they're not right. giving them the opportunity to, but the very next practice, Darius Harris was the mic in the base. Darius Harris is on the field in the nickel. He's your dime linebacker. I think that right there tells you exactly what this team thinks about having a linebacker that knows the system versus having the most athletically talented linebacker on the field. This goes into the box of something I do think that does kind of matter. Yeah. This is a guy, this follows a pattern of consistency over multiple years now. I just wanted to give Darius Harris a little shout out because he was a guy that I do think deserved getting talked about in this segment. And just, bro- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep, keep, keep Darius. Cut Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Abrupt changes are something that you need to pray, you know, pay attention to for sure in something like that. And now we're going to make an abrupt change and say goodbye to Craig and hello to Camp TikTok. You want to threaten me with a week? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it is time to bring Ow! in our correspondence who has been at like basically every training camp practice to this point. Tucker Franklin, you look in prime. You look in the best shape of your life, buddy. Wow, that is very kind of you to say. I guess round is a shape, so that does work <laughs> out. So uh, thank you for that. I had to go out to the team store and get this hat. Maddie Lane now and I have matching hats because I didn't want to keep getting my face sunburned um, because I'm standing out there in the sun. But it's great to be on the show. I hate that I had to kick Craig off, but um, thanks for having me, guys. Of course, you have your Air Force Ones on the ground in St. John's. Like, we had to get you on here. We have, you know, Camp TikTok is live. And so, really, we just want to grill you on questions about your time at camp. You know, what you're seeing, what you're not. And I hope you're okay with that because, I mean, like I said, you are our guy. You are our connection to Chiefs camp right now. Kent, you know, won't drive out there every single day for some reason. It's almost like he's got, like, a job or family or something going on. I don't know. I lived slightly too far away to make the drive. So, you're the guy. Yeah, I guess that's what it come down to. Kind of the maybe a seniority thing. Maybe I just got stuck with the <laughs> I drew the short straw and had to drive up every day. But hey, listen, I don't I don't really live that far away. So okay. Tucker, Tucker, this is hazing, except for the hazing is no one has asked you to do this at all. And you're just doing it on your own volition. You're hazing yourself. Right. Yeah. BJ's even said, like, hey, you know I'm not paying you for this, right? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I do. I, do I, I appreciate your hard work. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been fun. I mean, it's free. So why not go? Yeah, exactly. So our first question, I just, today at camp, Charvarius Ward didn't practice. Juan Thornhill didn't practice. So like, what were you seeing from kind of the defensive back room with the first team? Kind of how was that rotation looking? And did anybody in particular catch your eye while you were out there? So it was kind of a, uh, a mod podge group, I guess you could say, kind of all put together because I didn't even know Traverius Ward had eye surgery in the offseason. I guess he got poked in the eye during practice that flared up everything like that. But he was not out there. And then you have Juan Thornhill nursing a groin. So then you had Devin Key. You had uh, Rashad Fenton as well, getting a lot of reps on the 
outside, which when we see Rashad Fenton, we usually think about him on the inside. And personally, I like Rashad Fenton on the inside. I know that's, you know, some people don't like him on the inside, but he's just, I guess, my taste when it comes to an inside cornerback. But we get to see a whole lot of different guys come out there. And Devin Key, you guys already mentioned on the podcast, did really well. I mean, he looks the part as a one in this safety, and he was he was running as safety. He was running in the slot as well. So he's got the versatility that Spagnolo likes, and I, I think that that's going to be really beneficial for him coming into to cut time. All right, Tucker, I got a very important question kind of stemming from the cornerback situation. Yeah, Who are you picking as this team's cornerback three? Is it Mike Hughes or is it DeAndre Baker? I think it's Mike Hughes. Um, I haven't been too impressed with DeAndre Baker. Granted, he did just snap his like his strongest bone of his body um, like uh, six months ago. So, I mean, maybe that might be slowing him down a little bit. I think that context per- needs to be presented when you talk about this conversation. Mike Hughes has looked well. I, I think that I'm in the same boat with you guys as you know, thinking about it. We thought as Mike Hughes as a, as a slot cornerback when he's been playing a lot on the outside. And I thought that was always interesting, but he seems to be holding his own and, and has just seemed to have those ball skills to have on, to play on the outside as well. So um, I think I'll go with Mike Hughes in that scenario. But that's good to hear. I'm glad that Mike Hughes is it. Cause it's, Mike Hughes was a guy that I think I had more hope for coming out of college. Not the biggest Deandre Baker fan, but I really liked Mike Hughes. I'm intrigued by his fit on the outside. I do think that's a strange tactic. The chiefs are trying but mm-hmm. at least, you know, they are trying to get their best guys out there. So I applaud them for that. I got another one for you. You told us, because you were there, that Patrick Mahomes, two days ago, the day that, you know, he notoriously threw three interceptions, that outside the three interceptions, which seemed to be a lot of coverage bust, that you thought he looked really sharp. You thought that he had one of the, kind yeah. of the better days that you had seen while you were there. Just what was going on with him? Was he just, was he throwing bombs all over the place? Was the timing just looking good? Just why did he look like he was having his best practice so far? Yeah, it was a timing thing. I think when we were there a couple of the days, I think you guys would both admit, too, that Patrick Mahomes maybe didn't look the sharpest he'd ever looked. Um, yeah. I don't think that that's bad for me to say. I think there was just some timing miscues and everything. But he really fixed it out during the team sessions. Now, I, I like to separate out separate out seven-on-seven in seven team sessions because I think I told you guys before the podcast, seven-on-seven is kind of like a law of large numbers thing. Like You're, you're bound to throw an interception when you're throwing that many passes, just, just in that scenario. And, and I think that when he was really firing on all cylinders, it's been in those team sessions. It's been with the full team around him, is which is what you really want him to be firing on all cylinders cylinders is when the full team is around and he's he, there's a clip going around that I took of him being super stoked about DeMarcus Robinson being in the right place when he wanted to throw the ball and and you're seeing clips like that of him just throwing fadeaway passes to Tyreek Hill off of his back foot he threw a really good pass on on a Tuesday off of his back foot rolling to his right fading away to Marcus Kemp for a touchdown that ended their little team situational period as in a touchdown. So um, it was very cool to see him just be in this rhythm in these team periods. But most of his picks, I think all of them have come on the seven and seven period, which I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried about. Uh, I'm never worried about Patrick LeVon Mahomes doing anything. Uh, Tucker, I do have a question for you. So I, I was out there this weekend with you. It was wonderful. It was yeah probably one of the best moments of my life getting to see you in person, if I'm being honest. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of watching the watching practice, I got this vibe of, you know, this, this, this team is just so well established. This program is so well established. It doesn't seem like there's too many storylines to pay too much attention to. Everything is so settled with this organization. 
Do you get that same vibe or, you know, maybe the last couple of days that you've been out here, are you feeling something saying, you know, you know, maybe there's some more storylines here. Maybe there's some more intrigue than what we're used to and what, you know, this, this super well-established juggernaut of an organization. I just think they're really locked in. And I think you can tell that by how the practices run. Andy Heck is on the offensive linemen's but all the time, wanting sense of urgency, jogging in between reps, having two guys in the hole ready to step in. He wants as many reps as they can in these little 10-minute individual periods before they have, uh, you know, they go together for for team takeoff. Uh, and they run these plays on air. And they only have 10 minutes of individuals. And he wants as many reps as he can. Um, and, and they're getting those reps. And that, same thing with the other individuals. They just seem really locked in and focused. And I saw reports coming out of Giants camp today. I even made a tweet about this on Twitter. That they had the all-out brawl. You know, Daniel Jones got pinned underneath. And <laughs> Joe Judge had to stop it. He was running everybody. I think he was running coaches the other day, too. I don't know if yeah. you saw it. I think that was the right camp. He just said coaches run with them. No wonder they're Odd fighting move. out there. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird and I, I quote tweeted and said couldn't be an Andy Reid camp um, because if you're at an Andy Reid camp everything's tight it's buttoned up it's under control and I think that that's really evident in these past few days that I've gotten it's it's a process and they know what they need to do yeah Eric Bienemy's gotten upset yeah Andy Heck's getting gotten upset but these are the growing periods the learning times and you're going to have growing pains like that but I think that all these guys are just really locked in all right Tuck you've been there multiple days now would you yeah. prefer the blasting heat that we got on Friday's camp where we left soaked and drenched or the rain that we got for the entire camp on Saturday where we were also drenched, but it was nice and cool. Which, which one was preferred for camp TikTok? Mm. That's a, that's a good question. I'm, I'm a sweater that might shock you, but I sweat <laughs> a lot. Same, bud. <laughs> this is why so, we're one of the same. Right. So even if it's kind of cool outside, I'm probably still sweating. Uh, so I kind of liked the rain a little bit better because at, at one point you just like, okay, is it sweater? Is it rain? It doesn't matter. Um, so at that point, and it cooled down after it rained. So that was kind of nice. Um, we, oh, I, I don't want to lump you guys in with me. I didn't check the weather. I just showed I up in like a t-shirt. Yeah, I showed up in t-shirt and shorts. I was like, this will be fine. I'll be good. And, and then we were with uh, Chief Bearcat on Twitter. And oh, not on Twitter. We were in person, but he's Chief Bearcat on Twitter. Just thought I should clarify that. Um, well, but he... somebody, somebody, <laughs> somebody recognized him. It's true. <laughs> Without, like, they, we were all together and someone just said, are you Chief Bearcat? <laughs> like, someone maybe was able to piece it together. And maybe because we said we were going to be, I don't know. Well, yeah. now, t while we're clarifying things, Tucker, is it true that you used to be a weatherman? No, that's not. Oh, I Wait. thought you used to deliver the weather, and that's close enough to a weatherman Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I forgot about that, actually. No, I did. In high school, I worked for the radio station 92.3 KTTN in Trenton, Missouri, um, and I would read the National Weather Service weather report. I wouldn't actually, you know, decide what the weather was going to be. I would just read off of the <laughs> website. On, but so like, that's what he said in my weatherman. I was like, no, I've never predicted the weather, but I have read the weather to uh, several people over the year. Yes. Decides what the weather is going to be. Does he think like Gary Lezak <laughs> controls what happens in Kansas City? He watched Bruce Almighty the other day. Talk, that, that's a that's a Jim Carrey movie from you yeah. Back. yeah you I were probably I, I don't it. know if you were born when that came out it's like 2004 oh uh Tucker another very important question because you are hashtag grinding hashtag putting in the work you are going out to a bunch of training camp practices 
on your own volition. You're getting a lot of clips. You're getting a lot of tweets off. I need to know in the last week, how many Twitter followers have you gained? How much has that sweet, sweet Twitter clout helped? Oh boy. I wish I knew how many, how much I started with, but oh, I'm up to, you know, no, you no, know. I don't. I'll look at live <laughs> count right now. Live oh, count. I'll Lord. open my Twitter. We will see what my Twitter following count is. I'm at 3,235 and I was below 2000 before we started. And if you're not this following man. Tucker right now, like, I'm at below 3000, not below two. No, yeah, if you Tucker, are not Tucker following Yes, make sure you wow. get on top of that. I'll, I'll retweet it right now. So is Kent. You know, it's already been done when you guys have heard this, but you can go back and find it. Make sure you follow Tucker if you want camp updates. I'm not going to sign up Tucker if you're going to camp for every single day. I don't have that power. That's up to BJ. But I will say, on his own choice, he's gone out there numerous times now, and we're enjoying it. We're all getting great camp updates from Tucker. So with that, I have to ask, who has had your favorite performance in a single session at the Chiefs practices that you've been to, and why is it Tommy Townsend? Oh, yes, Tommy Townsend. The dude has a leg that has been blessed by God himself. Um, <laughs> you you hear him kick punts, kick balls, and it's it's a booming sound. Uh, I retweeted this video from the Coles Kicking Camp. Actually, shout out Simon Matiason, who works for Coles Kicking Camp, was the punter and kicker at Northwest Missouri State when when I was there my freshman year. And uh, Parker Sampson, who is the punter at Western Michigan now, who was at Northwest Missouri State, sent it to me. Um, I got a lot of punters. I know a lot of punters. Um, and he sent it to me, and it's a 6.0 hang time punt. And if you Whoa. listen to that video – it sounds like a bomb is going off when he kicks the ball and it looks fake. It does not look real because of how high he kicks the ball and how far he kicks the ball. It's a 50 yard punt and it went six seconds in the air. If that's a measurement, I don't know, but Tommy Townsend has been looking good. Does the different kicks, the end over end, the spiral obviously goes a little bit further End over end is more. We want to pin it back deep, but they've looked good. Tommy Townsend has looked good. Another guy, when you talk about special teams, I got to bring up Marcus Kemp because Marcus Kemp has been flying all over the field when it comes to actually playing on the special teams and also being on special teams scout team. He was really impressive in scout punt today. Coaches were very happy with his uh, scout punt coverage skills. Kind of a gunner, I think is what he was playing. Um, so he was kind of getting down there. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed Tommy Townsend. The hair is great. The shorts are short. Um and you can't beat it. Tucker, how many tw how many Twitter followers did you say you had? When I start when we just started? Yeah, when you said it was it 3235? Holy cow, yeah. And now you are up to 3251 because we tweeted something out. So, hey, we are on like this this has oh, already aged terribly. We got to start the whole show from scratch. Well, oh, yep. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to end it now. That is it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today getting our reaction from training camp. Make sure you follow Tucker D. Franklin on Twitter, and we will catch you later. Thanks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.